0: your bibles now and open them up to oh my gosh revelation chapter six and i was so excited to get to revelation chapter five and we got there and i think we hung out there for a couple weeks kind of in and out we looked at some crowns and then man last week was just so rich and so fresh if you missed the teaching from revelation five last week go online and watch it stream it listen to it so powerful And I kind of drug my feet all week long, not really wanting to get into Revelation 6. It comes right after chapter 5. I don't know if you guys have been studying along. You know this. In Revelation chapter 6 all the way to chapter 19 now are the details that are being unfolded on earth while we're in heaven, worshiping God, while Jesus is taking the scroll from the Father's hand, the title deed to the planet earth that has been forfeited and lost, hijacked. How? Because of sin, because of bad management, bad stewardship. You see, the earth was given to Adam and Eve, taken, subdued. This is your world, so good. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it's awesome. And yet they were deceived and tricked into sin and rebellion, bad living, and so they lost property, ownership of the world. And the Bible says that Satan is the owner of it now. He's the prince of the air, the God of this world. And yet we see a futuristic event, Revelation chapter 5, where John, the revelator, John, the pastor, John, the mystic, John, best friends with Jesus, John was taken to heaven to see this revelation. And he was told specifically in chapter 1, verse 19, John, write the things that you have seen jesus christ write the things which are currently happening the church age and write the things which will happen after this metatauta in the greek the things after the church age and he was raptured into heaven in chapter four and we saw those two chapters sequentially the worship of god the throne the beauty and now in chapter six, simultaneously, John, a picture of the church, a picture of the believers, is in heaven with Jesus down on earth below as the seals are broken off of the scroll. Seven seals. The scroll would unroll this way, and Revelation five tells us it was written on the outside and the inside. It's a title deed. And every time one of those seals, that's a cool sound, is broken. Something happens on earth. And I I want to say something at the beginning, because as the seven seals are broken, seven plagues are unleashed on the earth, then there'll be seven bowl judgments, we'll see as we continue in the book of Revelation, then there'll be seven trumpet judgments as well. And I'm not going to teach this up here super dogmatically, this is exactly what it means, and this is how it's going to go, because I'm not that smart. And we really don't know. And I believe that with the seals popping and the plagues being released, the intertwined and mingled with each seal could be a trumpet and or a bowl in the unfolding. And It's going to be a seven-year period. We do know that. For the seven years after the rapture of the church, when down on earth those who have rejected God, those who have said no to his love, no to his son, no to his church, and yes to their sin and yes to their own will, will be left on planet Earth. And for seven years, there will be an opportunity, let's call it that, a great opportunity, okay, to get saved, to tap out. We'll talk about that when we get there. But not only will people be getting saved, but the Lord will be doing things on planet Earth, preparing it for his return. So what he's going to be doing, what we're going to be studying next is so important. And John probably just wanted to stay in the presence of God and not look down and see what was happening. But the angel repeatedly says, John, come, look and see. And a seal was broken. And the first rider of the apocalypse is released. And we know who that is. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then he says, come and see. And the second seal is released. And the second rider of the apocalypse is released. And John was instructed as if to say, don't miss this stuff, bro. Lean over the rails of heaven and watch. And we get the privilege today of reading ahead here, not in heaven yet. Anybody in heaven yet? Anybody there yet? Okay. okay. We're here, man. And this is intended to educate us, to warn us, listen, and to encourage us. How many of you guys need a little bit of encouragement today? Okay. Half of you, the rest of you are overly caffeinated. That's okay. The rest of you are fine. I'm good, I'm good. Like, have you seen the weather forecast? It's going to rain forever, you know? <laughs> you need to be encouraged. You don't need... I just, how many of you guys need to be warned a little bit? Like, you're, you need to be warned. Like, I, I'm still just a young man, and occasionally I, I just... I need to be, you know, warned. You ever drive on Highway 20 there by Eddyville, and you start to drift into the lane outside of the crosswalk there, the, the, the bike lane? And it warns you. Da, 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 you know, it's like, ah, you know, and you feel like you committed a sin, you know. And this book is to warn us and to encourage us and to educate us. So that way we as Christians wouldn't be uninformed. Paul said it this way: I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the return of the Lord, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't be tossed to and fro. See, people are looking around. They don't know what's going on. The sky is falling. Did you see, did you see, and gas prices are going up. And Turkey's trying to bomb Syria, and Russia's coming in to help out. And Israel's right there in the middle. And China's going to have these tariffs and all the. Oh, oh, oh. And if you're a Christian, and you're like, oh yeah, all this all makes sense. I've been warned, educated, and I've been encouraged. This is this is actually an exciting time to be alive it's an exciting time to be alive. It's supposed to motivate us. As a matter of fact, somebody was super motivated this morning on the way to church. I took a picture of this guy's uh, bumper sticker. I don't know if we have this, if this can go up or not. There it is. There it is. You see on the the bottom left there, it says, look busy, Jesus is coming. (laughs) See on the bottom left there, I was driving like, dude, this guy knows what he's doing. And he passed like five people to get in front of me, and he must not be from around here. (sighs) Because if you're passing me on the way to church, you're going fast. And that's just be honest, though. I told my kids, I was like, "Well, we got to take a picture of that. Jesus is coming. Look busy. You can take that down." And I just, I, I just, I explained it to my kids. I was like, "I don't really think that that guy has a, a totally pure heart. I'm just gonna be honest, you know. <laughs> he could be, but he could be making fun of the fact. Oh, Jesus is coming. Ooh, gotta look busy." Peter tells us that before Jesus returns, people will make fun of his return. You will even have a committee in your head saying, "Really? Do you really think there'll be scoffers? Okay, there'll be a doubt." And yet, as you read the scriptures and discern the times and the seasons, as we study even this, Revelation chapter 6, we're going to see some correlations, some things that, that makes sense, that makes sense, that makes sense. And the purpose of it is to truly, not in the sense of being flagrant, but to stay busy, to stay active, to stay excited. I was just praying with my mom and dad in the, in the hallway, and they're going to be doing some traveling this week, and some stuff came up that just is going to, They're they're being called upon to to help somebody in time of need. And my dad's reaction was just so cool. He just don't know what Jesus is going to do. He's so creative. He's so creative. He's got stuff. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says there's good works for us to walk in that he's preordained. There's things. And if you're like me, man, occasionally you just get bored. You're like, am I even doing anything? Do I even know what's going on? Lord, am I helpful at all? Am I engaged? And here's the good news. God has all that figured out. Okay, our job is to lean into the things of God, to show up to let him speak to our hearts. Man, I'm so thankful for God. I'm so, I'm so thankful for you guys and for our staff here and for, for what God's doing, but I'm, I'm even more thankful for God. Do you understand? Okay, because God has chosen all y'all to be part of this adventure, to be part of what's going on. And the reality is we've been talking about those crowns. I'm going to heaven. Now what do I do? Well, we get educated and we get equipped and we get warned if necessary, get excited about these things, Today we're going to study what we call the Four Riders of the Apocalypse. Sounds pretty, sounds like a good Christian band. Four Riders of the Apocalypse, you know. Opening for the Antichrist, you know. (laughs) Sorry, I digress. I went to a hippie fair in 1999. It was the Ashland, Oregon First Annual Country Fair. And I'd just given my life to Jesus, and when I saw this flyer in August there in my, my town, I thought, oh, we need to be there, the, the church, Christians. I was a volunteer assistant high school youth leader, and I went to my youth pastor and I said, can we go to this fair and set up and give away Bibles and pray for people at this hippie fair? And he said, you can. <laughs> and I was like, whatever, baby, you know? And it was it was crazy. I just have so many memories. One of the memories that sticks with me the most is we were set up there with our food booth, giving away bento's. And I called my dad Kokomocha Joe, and I got some recipes. And we did bento's and espressos and Bibles. Man, it was all free. It was legit. And and, and on our left side was a legalized marijuana booth, and on our right side was a legalized marijuana booth. And <laughs> evidently they they were good at what they did because it worked now. And so this was back in 1999, though. And I remember about two or three days into it, we'd made friends with these neighbors of ours at this music festival, this hippie festival. And this guy, we we all shared kind of a back area where we could like kind of go back and forth. And this dude walks back to me. He said, you know what? I drew something five years ago in 1992, seven years ago, seven years ago. And I drew something. I don't know why I drew it, but I just met you. And now I know why I drew it. And, And he pulled this out. This is what he pulled out for me. And I took a picture of it last night. There it is on the, on the screen. And he gave this to me in 1999. And he said, this is the four Riders of the apocalypse. One day he was trying to legalize marijuana in his tent. Just kidding. And, and he decided to draw Revelation chapter six. And this is his rendition. And he gave it to me back in 1999. I've had it in my file ever since. And as we came to Revelation chapter six, I went in my file last night and I grabbed that out and was looking at these four writers. You can just leave that up there. No, leave it up there, sorry. And the four riders of the apocalypse, you see the bottom right one. This is the first rider we're gonna talk about today. And I'm telling you right now, he's the Antichrist. He comes on a white horse with a bow, with a crown around his head. The word for crown describing this guy is Stephanos, it's the crown that would be given to competitors, to performers, to athletes. It would be a temporary crown. It was made of greens, you know, kind of like those Athens, Greece athletes would receive. It wouldn't last. It was temporary, borrowed, and even earned. The next rider, the red rider, is the rider of war. This would be what the Antichrist will bring and war will plague the world. The rider behind him is the rider of famine. He's got the scales in his hands. They're the balances. Things will become imbalanced. And we'll see in just a few minutes here that you have to weigh out your food. It becomes so scarce during this reign of the Antichrist. And finally, the last horse with two riders is death and Hades. And given to death and Hades is the power to take one-fourth of the population of the world under the Antichrist's reign. Now, I was there just to give away bentos, and I thought, whoa, this is heavy duty, and you can take that picture down. Now, I hadn't yet at that time in my young Christian journey studied the book of Revelation. I'd read it, but I hadn't studied it, and now as we get to this place, the same message is true. God wants to inform us. He wants to encourage us, and for some of us, he wants to warn us, absolutely. I'm going to pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, we're here to study your word. So thankful for that. Lord, we could be in Corinthians this morning. We could be in Jonah. We could be in Isaiah. Lord, we could be in Matthew. We all know we could still be in Luke for sure. It doesn't matter where we're at in the word. Your word is there to encourage us, the body, to inform us of what's going on, and to even warn us So here we are, we're in Revelation 6, just a couple months until 2020, who would've thunk? You know all things. And so on the grand scheme of things, as we look at a futuristic event that is outside of our control, we choose, Lord, to celebrate your sovereignty, superimpose your purpose into our little lives our big church with small minds. We're just little people. We we really are. We're just people. And yet, Lord, we love you. And we pray that our hearts would be soft, Lord. Our minds would be open. We'd be leaning into the things of God. And you would do during this time of study what needs to be done. Warn us, educate us, and encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. let's read a few verses and see what happens. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. The four riders of the apocalypse are released to the earth to execute judgment upon the earth. It is known as the wrath of God. It is the judgment on planet earth as they have rejected God's purposes and plans, as they have rejected God's son, as they have rejected God's people, as they have rejected God's forgiveness, now after thousands of years. I won't say reluctantly, but I will. God reluctantly begins to break the seals. He begins to take back that which is rightfully his. It's his. (laughs) He made it. Guys, you who are believers here, you, you, you can get with this pretty easily. This is his. He made it. The heavens declare the glory of God. This is his planet. This is his universe. These are his galaxies. This is amazing. And yet somebody has moved into his world and has wrecked it and has denied him and has fought him. Can you imagine if you owned a nice little cottage in Agate Beach, and you had that little security system where there's cameras all over your house, and if there was motion detected, it told your smartphone that somebody's in the house, and you were alerted that there's somebody in your home, and so you looked at your phone, and there in your house was a party going on, and your first thought was, cool, a bunch of people, I like people, I bet they're going to be my friends, and can you imagine going to your house, and the doors had been locked? And the locks had been changed. And all of a sudden you realize, wait, oh, it's my, that's my house. And there are people in my house that aren't my friends and they've kicked me out. And as you continue to watch the cameras, you see the things going on in the house. You know, like, what are you guys doing in my, what's going on in here? And it gets worse and worse and there's atrocities committed and sins and heinous crimes. And you would rightfully, being a human, panic, call the cops, call a lawyer, Call Chuck Norris. (laughs) Call Ram. You would do whatever, and it would actually be justified. Everyone on the outside looking in, yeah, that's what's going on. Do whatever you got to do to get that house back. Now let's say, say, let's just let's give them some time. Let's give them some time. Maybe they just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Maybe they're going to figure it out. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to order Domino's to the house, and I'm going to make sure they got some food. Okay? And I'm going I'm to get some deliveries sent to them, and I'm going I'm I'm to make sure they got what they need, and I'll get an Uber Eats you know, dropped off at their door, and I'll go to Amazon.com, and I'll send them some new supplies. They're going to need some toilet paper, you know, and, and I'm going to pay their bills, and I'm just going to, maybe they'll figure it. And Matt, can you imagine if you did, they, you, you what? You did what? Nobody in here would do that, or even be expected to do that. And yet God created this planet, and we've changed the locks on them, by and large, and we have acted a fool. Adam and Eve's first kids, I taught on this on Tuesday at Real Life in Corvallis at OSU, there in the MU ballroom, 300 OSU students. And right after Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, chapter 4 comes in, their boys have a squabble, an imbalance, and Cain kills Abel. Right off the bat, first thing, first at bat. And it's chaos. And as we understand now from that vantage point how God has to act and what God is going to do, how is God going to deal with it? Because what's going on in our world today is the culmination, okay? The abundance, the collection of sins has stacked up and must now be dealt with. It's sin. The problem with our culture, the problem with our community, the problem with our world today is sin. Genesis chapter three. We're all born into sin. We all commit sin. And because of sin, Jesus Christ came to the earth and died upon the cross, paying the penalty for sins. But the people of his generation said this, we will not have this man rule over us. (laughs) We're going to do it our own way. There is a group of people, they're known as the church, that say, no, no, I'll take that. Please, please, I'll take that, forgive me. And those are the people that will be with Jesus in heaven. And yet on earth, the wages of sin must be dealt with. The wages of rejecting God and his mercy. The wages of rejecting Jesus and his love. Let me ask you guys a sin. Have you, I'm ask you a sin. Let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask you about your sin. No, I'm just kidding. Have you ever committed a sin And Thank you, Dan. And and the consequences of your sin have bit you. Anybody ever been bit by the consequences of their sin? Okay, if you don't raise your hand, you're lying. You're going to be bit by that. You know it. You know it. Yeah, yeah. It's called the wages of sin. It's like an auto direct deposit from your employer. You get a wage. You work for a company, and you sign up the things, and they got your account information, and you don't even have to worry about it. They're going to give you what you deserve, okay, because you work for them. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so there's going to be an automatic deposit of death in our accounts when we sin. And as a matter of fact, as we look through this judgment, I would say it so simply, God doesn't even necessarily have to punish us for our sins, I don't think. Your sin is punishment in and of itself. If you've lived long enough, you figure figured that out. See, God punished Jesus Christ. Okay, Jesus was tortured for sins. So now when you sin, when I sin, when they sin, sin in and of itself is its own consequence, man. It's its own master. The Lord has been gracious. And so what we see here, these riders released, this is the culmination of sin that must be dealt with. The unrepentance and the unforgiveness. I'll use the illustration of putting garbage into a box. Every time you sin, you put garbage into a box, and eventually you're going to have to go through that box and sort it out. That's just the way it is. And our world today, is very good at putting garbage in boxes, storing it up for the day of wrath, the Bible says. This is not an exciting topic to talk about, but it's designed to warn us and to educate us because this is the rules. There's no other way around it. If you sin, you suffer the fallout damage, okay? Amen? If you sin, you suffer. It's just the way it is. I've done dumb things and reaped dumb consequences, and the irony of the dumb things we've done and the consequences that come is that you deserve it. You actually deserve it. I don't know if you're like me, but when you get in trouble, okay, when you find yourself doing dumb things and dumb things come your way, you just, you kind of just, you know, dang it, I deserve this. If you knew it all, I actually deserve more. Like, I'm glad you don't know everything. And there's that season of your life, maybe where you do dumb things and dumb things happen back to you where you like minimize it and try and blame other people, you know, and oh, it was dropped out my head when I was a kid. It's my parents' fault, you know, the government or you know such a good place when you get there it's like I did this I did this I remember when I was arrested in 1998 for fake IDs and the lifestyle that goes along with that and as I got arrested my drug dealing buddies and thug homies they consoled me oh Luke man that's too bad you got arrested today and I just shook my head I said no it's not I said, what are you talking about? I said, you, don't know, you, you guys don't even know who I am. I've known you for like four months. You guys are a joke. I'm a joke. This is all a joke. I said, I deserve this. And not only do I deserve this, I need this. I've been praying for the Lord to help me. I'm, I'm out of control. And now all of a sudden, just this unfortunate in the world's eyes event got my attention, changed my life. And I began to do an about face and follow the Lord. And when your sin catches up with you, you can be like Isaiah in chapter six. Woe is me. Isaiah one, two, three, four, and five. Isaiah's message was, "Woe is you. Woe is you. Woe is you. And especially, woe is you." And then in chapter six, he saw God and himself, and he said, "Woe is me." And he was touched in a deeper way. His mouth was cleansed, and he volunteered to, so, "Can I keep preaching?" Just with a different attitude, woe well, is me. And when you figure this out, man, when you understand, and let me, let me make sure I say this before we run out of time or I forget. There are two things we, we just don't understand. Talk about this in your life group. Meditate on it today or the rest of your life. Two things we do not understand. Number one, the absolute righteousness and holiness of God. We just, we just don't really understand it. Not to the degree that it is understandable. It's too much. This scene we saw in Revelation 4 and 5, we just we don't even understand it. The other thing we do not fully understand is the utter sinfulness and depravity of man. We just, we think it's okay. We're all right with things. These two bookends, God's holiness and his worthiness, eh, take it or leave it. He's probably fine our sinfulness, the depth and darkness of our souls. And we try and, ah, it's not, that it's not that bad, it's not that bad, it's not that bad. And I just think these two are not yet understood. And yet we see chapters 4 and 5, the holiness of God, chapters 6 through 19, the sinfulness of mankind. And we would do well as Christians today to lean in. And I'm with most people and my first thoughts when I see the Rest of the book of Revelation and the judgment to come. I don't like talking about it. I don't like thinking about it. This one writer given authority to take the lives of a quarter of the population of the remaining people on earth. Calamity and disease, destruction, sinfulness, death, and terror. Here's the truth, though. The world is so full of sin, and as the wages continue to stack... And as God's patience does have an end, Genesis 6 says, God's spirit will not strive with man forever. It's been striving for a while, though, hasn't it? Don't raise your hand, but just kind of just settle in. But has God been patient with you? Dang it. So patient. Peter actually said, God is not slow or lazy or forgetful in what he said he would do, he's actually patient because he wants other people to get saved. Wouldn't that be cool if you believe that tomorrow at work? What am I doing at work with all these heathens? Especially if you work in Lincoln City. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I've never even been there. (laughs) What am I doing here? And the Lord says, oh, my judgment's coming. And I got another day. Another day. Because I love Toledo. Because I love Siletz. Because I love Walport. Because I love America. Because I love people. There'll be a day, though, when the cup of the trembling is full and turns over. It's just going it's it's to happen. It has to happen. You know this. You who have toddlers. You ever count to your kid? Come over here. One. Where are my counting parents at? Two. You know, and the kid's like still thinking. Three. You know, the kid runs over. You know. Because you're patient, some of you. Let me just make sure you guys get this. The world that we live in is full of sin. You who are Christians here and are trying your hardest, you're full of sin. not that nuts? Can you imagine the world out there that isn't even trying and doesn't care about sin? What God sees? If you're like me, you know what sin is. You try not to sin, and yet you still sin. It's just an ongoing struggle, okay? I'm not sinless. I find myself sinning less, but I still am sinful, and it's an ongoing, under, it's an ongoing project in my life. But I'm aware of my sin. I step in it. You smell that? You know what I'm saying? You smell that? Something's wrong, you know? Sin. The rest of the world, man, they got their sensors are busted. They don't smell nothing. They step in that and they start putting it all over themselves. They go nuts. None of this is in my notes. This is getting really weird. I got it. Did I show you guys my picture yet? My picture? Anyways. Okay. Focus. Here's the deal. <laughs> But the world around us is categorically, okay, sinful. I mean, it's, it freaks me out. I wrote down some things. I'm like, I don't want to share this stuff. But our world's gross. Okay, I'm not, I'm not any different than the world except I, I'm aware of my grossness now and God's righteousness, and I'm trying to process that. Gosh, man, my, my sin is so gross, and God's holiness is so grand, and, oh, man, man, I want to know more. And the world says, I don't know nothing of God's glory, and I don't know nothing of my sin, And then they start to celebrate evil. Did you know that our world celebrates evil? Celebrates it. It doesn't just struggle with it. Like, I'm trying not to feel this way. I'm trying not to do these things. I'm trying. They're not trying. They're double clicking as fast as they can. How farther can we go? How deeper? How much more perverse and gnarly? Let's legislate it. Let's celebrate it. It's going crazier and crazier, and God watching the screen, if you would, of the people that are in his world acting like this. Because of mercy, he's got to intervene. It's going to get worse and worse. It's not getting better and better. We removed God from the schools, okay, by law. You'll not get in trouble. You'll lose your freedom. You'll lose status. You'll be, it's illegal, in large regions of our country to pray, to talk about God, bring your Bibles, government institutions, the seat of government, the lead of our country. God, should we make it illegal? Yeah, let's make a law. No more, no more of that. What? Do, do you not know? The message as you change the locks. And not just kicking God out generically, no more God, but let's pursue and celebrate Godlessness. Let's write that into our bills. Let's teach that in our schools. Let's promote that. And let's attack and accuse those who don't. It's all sin. We celebrate evil. I just got a few, just, in, just a few things. Abortion just... Bothers me. We call it health care rights. Okay, and it's a deception because it's not health care for the dead baby. 125,000 abortions will happen today. 40 to 50 million per year worldwide. It's a big number. I understand all the politics and all of the unique situations that lead to that kind of a decision of terminating an unwanted pregnancy. And I believe it is a sin that can be forgiven, can be atoned for that in the category of sins and offenses is a sin, it's an offense. I believe God has paid for that in daily 125,000 babies zip on up to heaven. Heaven's being populated by little guys and gals. And yet, our world today is so convinced that it's a simple answer: just legalize it. It's healthcare. It's healthcare. It's healthcare. It's nothing more than healthcare. Nothing more than a lump of cells. Nothing. It's like, guys, no. This is a complicated issue that shouldn't be just put into a bill. Sexual perversion in our in our world is at an all-time high. Weird. It's just weird, isn't it? Before I say what I'm going to say next, let me just let you guys all know. You're all broken. Every one of us are sexually perverted and broken. We're not perfect. We've all had wanton ideas. Crazy things have gone through our mind. Crazy things have been done by us. Okay, there's none that has a stone to throw. But when our world decides to say that confusion and immorality and perversion are A-OK, and if you think any other way, then you're the bad guy. No, no, I can't give myself a hall pass for sexual perversion. I've got to bring my sexuality to the Lord. Fornication and divorce and lust and pornography, homosexuality and transgenderism, confusion, perversion, all of that needs to be, even your heterosexual marriage, needs to be brought to Jesus, everything. And let me just make sure, and I believe I'm with friends here, but there are others. Simple question. Anyone here would admit that your sexual sin has caused you serious damage in your life? God says, okay, here's some things that'll hurt you. Don't do them. And, and we've all, ow! He said, don't touch that. I know, but I wanted to. <laughs> and So we go touch it again. Ah! We just keep doing it. The Bible says until your feelers are desensitized. And then pretty soon, you're just all in. It's nutty. It's crazy. Damage is still being done, though. Now, I'm spending way too much time on this. I actually had anticipated teaching Revelation 6 and 7 today. (laughs) You guys got to get in my mind, man. I'm a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs up here. Here's a few verses. Isaiah 520. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness and who put Isaiah said, woe to the, the culture that tells everyone that evil is okay and that okay is evil. That's us. If you're a conservative and conservative just means that you have values and standards and platforms that, that don't erode and change, quickly okay you're the evil one in today's culture easily we're not open-minded oh you know i'm not perfect and i'm not judging anybody okay god has not asked the church to be the judge go around telling people they're wrong okay judgment begins in the house of the lord i read it i apply it and i pray jeremiah 2 says it this way says my people have committed two evils Jeremiah 2.13, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they've hewed out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God has given himself to our country, to this world, and the world says, you know, I appreciate that, but we're good over here. Thank you for the living water that comes from you, but we've got a toilet that doesn't work. We're going to go ahead and use that. And God says, what? I, are you for real? Yep. And God, and God in his mercy says, yeah, you can't live that way. I got I to come in. I got to come in and rescue you guys. Numbers thirty-two twenty-three says, if you do not do so, that is obey, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8 says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that will he also reap for he sows to his flesh, of the flesh he reaps corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. I'm gonna give you three points that I want you to consider that are gonna be the fruit of the four riders of the apocalypse. And you guys gotta get something, this is so cool, whether you know this or not. During the seven-year period called Jacob's Trouble, the Great Tribulation, the wrath of God, there will be millions, if not billions of people, so cool, getting saved, okay? It's so cool. If you think that God's patience has a limit where there is therefore no more patience. You're wrong. His patience has a transition where he rescues the church from the battle and the four riders are released. And now even in seven years of chaos, calamity, death, terror, and disease, people can get saved. People can get saved. There'll be 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams. There'll be two witnesses that perform miracles There'll be an angel that goes back and forth throughout the whole land saying, repent, repent. They're known as the tribulation saints. We'll see them in just a minute. It's good news. And the reason these four writers will be given after the rapture of the church and the arrival of the Antichrist, number one, is to shake up the heathen, those who just won't believe, those who don't want it, they don't see it, they won't see it. Talked to a friend of mine the other day and he said there are none so blind as those who won't see. I just won't see it. What do you mean? And, and you tell them the testimony about Jesus in your life. Like, hey, look at this, look at this, look at this. Like, no. <laughs> And my friend was talking to his brother on the phone, and he said, this, but Jesus, this is, I just don't believe that. He said, what do you, you can't just not believe it, okay? Because it's true, historically, actually, factually. Like, how could you come to that conclusion? I just don't, wanna, I don't want to. Oh, okay, that's different. And you know the rapture of the church and the release of the writers will shake up the heathen? It will do in their lives what needs to be done. The tribulation period. Years and years ago, lifeguards were instructed when saving a drowning victim, if the victim was flailing and thrashing, they were instructed, just pop them in the mouth. Just give it to them. Because if you don't constrain them, they're going to kill both of you. And if you can just constrain them to do what? To save their lives. to save their you gotta, you got to knock them out. I'm not sure if that's still how they teach today. If so, I wouldn't mind getting a little lifeguard training. (laughs) I'm kidding, it's horrible. Anyways. Not only is it to shake up the heathen, it's to wake up a nation. You guys know this. The nation of Israel right now is sleeping and blinded by and large. They're God's chosen people. They don't see the Messiah as he is to be seen. They're still waiting for the first coming of the Messiah. He's already been here. And when he comes the second time, just like Joseph, the picture of the Messiah, when he showed himself to his brothers the second time, they saw him as he was the deliverer of the world. When all this happens during the tribulation period, the Jewish people will have their eyes opened and through faith in Jesus Christ, will all be saved. Pray for Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I do not support all of Israel's governmental policies and decisions, okay? When we pray for Jerusalem and support Israel, that's not what we're talking about and their government necessarily but in God's plan, his covenant to them. The third thing that he's going to be doing, not just shaking up the heathen and waking up a nation, but he's gonna be making up the kingdom. God is doing something during that tribulation period to remake a new heaven and a new earth in the millennial reign. You guys know that, right? He's gotta cleanse it. Just like if you had your house and had been partied in for many years and we were gonna go back there and live in it, you would have to fumigate it. You'd have to remodel it. You'd have to get in there and fix it, okay? God's going to fix it. This is so cool. This is so cool. This is not the end. People are afraid. And last night, I showed this picture to my, my eight-year-old daughter and started to explain to her the Antichrist and the coming of the tribulation. I'm not sure if she slept last night. <laughs> I mean, her eyes her eye started to get, go kind of dark, you know, just looking at me, when is this going to happen? You know, I was like, this is to encourage us. John took this letter and gave it back to the church. Because not only will he shake up the heathen, wake up a nation, and make up the kingdom, before he does all that, he's going to take up the church. Okay, chronologically. You can just, you just read it. He takes the church up. The church is in heaven. The saints are worshiping. How, when, why? I don't, I don't know. I just read it simply as it is. And as all this unfolds, we see the Lord's holiness being executed. Let's quickly get through chapter six, buckle up. When I saw the lamb opened one of the seals, verse one, I heard one of the four living creatures with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and I behold the white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering to conquer. I would just say without building it up too much, some believe this is actually Jesus Christ. Some commentators, oh, this is Jesus but it doesn't make any sense. The only thing that makes this appear like Jesus is the white horse. Revelation 19 shows Jesus coming on a white horse. But when Jesus shows up, he's not riding with company such as these other three riders. And in his wake, these things don't come. This is none other than the Antichrist, who is like the Christ, a false messiah, a white horse, an earned crown, a borrowed crown, Stephanos. The other Greek word for crown is diadem, That's the crown that Jesus wears. It's a permanent crown. It's one of kingliness and rulership. Stephanos is a a a fake crown, a borrowed crown. And this man, the Antichrist, will be released on the world. I believe he's a political genius. He's most likely alive today. Where? I have no idea, no speculation even. How it'll all go, I don't know. Will the Antichrist be revealed and then the rapture of the church? Will the rapture of the church happen and then the revealing of the Antichrist? And he'll come and clean up the mess as millions and billions of Christians have vanished and nobody has the answers and this man is empowered by demons to bring sanctity and peace to the Middle East, which is what the book of Daniel says he'll do, that this man will have prowess and wisdom and ability. Jew and Arab will worship together. There'll be peace. Peace. It says here in verse 2, he'll conquer and to conquer, which to me means there's two phases of his reign, three and a half years and then three and a half years. You Bible students know this, that the Antichrist has a seven-year treaty with the nation of Israel. For the first three and a half years, it's going pretty good for most people, and for the last three and a half years, it goes bananas. All hell is broken loose, as he shows his true colors. We'll get into that more. Keep going with me, though. And then he opened the second seal, and I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out, and he was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. This next rider brings war. But does he really bring war, or does he just take peace? See, peace is a gift of God. We're broken. We're naturally not peaceful. Have you seen children play? You gotta teach them peace. You gotta teach them to share Man. And so we finally, it's given. We're, peace is given, and we dwell in peace seemingly. This angel's going to come and just take that gift of God, and the natural ramifications of God's peace gone is war. It's just the, it's the nature of man. War will break loose and break out. Along with war comes famine and death. Look at verse 5. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. And so I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand and heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. Now we have famine upon the land, imbalance and injustice. We see this through World War I, World War II, imbalances in war-torn areas. Prices skyrocket, economic collapse. If you're doing the simple math here, what happens during the tribulation period is prices skyrocket times 12. 12. Gallon of gas, 48 bucks. cup of coffee, 36 bucks. Gallon of organic milk. 100 bucks. Double, double it in and out. With fries, 84 bucks. Small milkshake, 36 bucks. It's going to be nuts. It says something here: that the oil and the wine won't be touched. Most say the oil and wine speak of wealth. And the rich. And during this time of tribulation, the wealthy and the rich will remain wealthy and rich. Not too hard to believe. I don't know. I don't know. Verse 7. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. And so I looked and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed with him. Power was given to them over one fourth of the earth. Listen, this might be just a culmination of the other seals. To kill with the sword, that reminds me of the red horse. With hunger, that reminds me of the black horse. With death, that's all the horses. And listen, and by the beasts of the earth. It's just gonna be nuts. Total anarchy and chaos. As the peace of God is removed, even the animal kingdom's gonna go nuts. This word beast is gonna be used throughout the rest of the book of Revelation to describe the beasts, Satan himself, other beasts. It's, the word is therion in the Greek. It's a generic word, but it can be used, listen, to also describe microscopic beasts, Viruses, small beasts, big beast it's just beasts. It doesn't take much of the imagination to see death and war and famine taking out through the pale rider. The word pale in the Greek is chloros where we get our English word chlorine. It's an ugly, ugly horse. Verse nine, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long O Lord, holy and true until you judge and avenge your blood on those who dwell on the earth. As a matter of fact, I'm not gonna rush. There's just, there's so much going on here. This seal I I struggle with to understand during the tribulation period, there will be those known as tribulation saints. It's amazing. Men and women who will be martyred during the tribulation. When the mark of the beast is issued, we'll see that in latter chapters. They will have heard the word from the angel, from the two witnesses, from the 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams. The word that you have planted in their hearts. Guys, this is, it's all true. I love you. It's all true. Nah. <laughs> Whatever. And just like a seed that is dormant can and will and is designed to germinate and grow and bear fruit it's designed to they have found seeds in king tut's tomb thousands of years old throw a little water on them bro whoa no way they have found seeds in death valley where it hasn't rained in hundreds of years and a freak storm watered those little seeds and ready to go there are tribulation saints I, this is the 9 a.m. service. Just assuming you're all on board. Got your rapture socks on. Got your J-train ticket. Ready to go. There are others who are just waiting. I don't know. I'll see how it plays out. If I can give my life to the Lord during the tribulation, I'll do it then. Okay, You can, and a lot will, and your head will roll you become those whose blood is poured out at the altar. That's what it said. The fifth seal. The fifth seal of redemption as Jesus breaks the seals are those who have been martyred during this time. And in that is great hope for our world. Okay, all this is, I don't know where you, say, where you sit on these issues being mad at God. How dare God try and get back into his own home and clean it up and change the locks back. How dare him? Some people think that way. How dare him tell me what to do with my life that he gave me? <laughs> like, like he knows stuff. This is my sin, my, my, my pet sin. <laughs> Isn't that Crazy. Crazy. And yet, God doesn't come in without more mercy and more hope. He's going to shake up the heathen. I'm going to have Pastor Ryan come up, and he's going to lead us in a song. Guys, how do we apply this to our own lives, Christians? Man, don't, don't be overwhelmed by our world in the talking heads and and Putin and in China and in Turkey and Iran and in Washington Don't worry, don't worry. You with me, a small-minded man. Love the people right here. Love God and love people. Jesus was asked, what's the two greatest commands? What should we be doing? Love God love people for in it all of the law is fulfilled all the prophets swing on this command and as we're loving people and loving god one day we're going to hear the trumpet Do-do-do-do. come up here the rapture of the church when could be this year could be 10 years could be 20 years it's going to be soon and if you want to live a great life today do it this way live as if jesus is coming back to Plan as if he's coming back in 20 years. Live every day like he's coming back tomorrow. Better go home and vacuum. Your heart. Plan as if he's coming back in 20 years. I'm gonna pray and ask the Lord to bless us. I also wanna give you an opportunity to be saved today. If you're not a believer here right now, in Jesus' name, and the Holy Spirit, not me, but the Holy Spirit has touched your heart today. And you would say, I want Jesus to rapture me. I want Jesus to save me. I want Jesus to protect me from the wrath to come. I want Jesus to forgive me of my sins. If you're here right now and you want to give your life to Jesus and have him forgive your sins, would you raise your hand right now in Jesus' name? Amen. I see a hand going up. Join these I, Yeah, I see some people, some recommitments going up. Yes. Worship Jesus in this way. Yes, I see you in the back, Amber. Yes, in Jesus' name. Anybody else would say yes to Jesus? Yes to Jesus. Lord, would you close your eyes? Father, we say yes to you in Jesus' name. The house of God, here we are, Lord, about to take communion, believer's communion, celebration at the table. We don't know how much time, Lord, we have until your return. We don't even know how much time we have until our death. And so in Jesus' name, we commit our lives to you, Lord. Would you save and seal those who raise their hands, Lord? Get it done in Jesus' name. Born again, Lord, by the blood of the Lamb. Holy Spirit, breathe into them new life, forgiveness of sins, purpose on earth, hope for heaven. And would you, Lord, anoint the church, not just our church, but the church here in Lincoln County, the church in Newport. Would you anoint us, Lord, to be those who love God and love people? Thank you, Jesus, that you are so committed to this. We just follow your lead. We're following your lead. As we take communion now, we examine ourselves and celebrate, Lord, your return and your death in our place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.